praise the Lord for his goodness to us. We're reading scripture this morning from the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. And we've sung several songs about the grace of God. And that's the title of of the message, The Grace of God. And so we're reading here, so stand with me for the reading. And we begin reading in verse 11 of chapter 2 of Titus. Uh, <clears throat> For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Lord, we bow before you in prayer this morning. We ask, dear Lord, that you would enlighten our minds inspire our hearts. I pray, dear Lord, that you will energize our anticipations, our zeal for you, that we'll be the people you want us to be in every walk of life. We know, Lord, that there are those out there that are about us that need to see Christ in us, need to see that Jesus makes a difference and that Jesus' way is the best way to live. I pray you would help us this morning, dear Lord, as we look at the word. Help me as I present the word that I will rightly divide the word of truth. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit will work in our midst this morning, that his will may be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So this Titus was an understudy of Paul. Paul refers to Titus even as he does to Timothy as a son in the faith. So at some point where while Paul as as an itinerant or a traveling evangelist was proclaiming the word of God, uh, Titus' heart was touched. Uh, He appears to be non-Jewish and uh, so uh, he, is, he is an understudy, he's learning, and uh, probably ascertained that he is an older man than Timothy because when Paul speaks to Titus about not being despised, uh, he says to Timothy, uh, because of his youth, don't let anyone look down on him. Uh, but uh, to Titus, he doesn't say that. So that's where... Some think that Titus maybe was an older uh, disciple of Paul and of Jesus Christ. Uh, So uh, he is on the uh, island of Crete. Uh, Paul uh, had left him there as a minister to the Cretans. Perhaps uh, Titus 
would have had thoughts about that. Why, why couldn't I have a better assignment than being left on the Isle of Crete uh, because of the problems that people here on the island of Crete have? Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we get uh, unhappy with where our place of service is. Uh, we look across the way and we think, well, the grass is greener over there. Uh, it's a little easier uh, to minister there. And, uh, you know, the people are a little more agreeable. Uh, we have more opportunities. Uh, why, would, why would God put us here? Why would our assignment be here? Uh, and, you know, the thing is that God needs his workers everywhere, doesn't he? Uh, if we if we only go to the places that you know some people feel some ministers feel cold when it gets cold weather they feel cold maybe to go to Florida and take up a pastorate in Florida because uh, you know they just feel like people down there need need to hear the gospel uh, and uh, so you can you can get picky about where you're serving but the fact is, uh, God wants us to bloom where we're planted, doesn't he? He wants us to be faithful where we are. And he wants to work in our lives and the lives of those that are around about us. So, uh, Titus could have said, uh, couldn't you give me a better assignment? Uh, what, what, was, what were the Cretans like? Well, uh, evidently, uh, Paul may have written this in this letter to Titus so he could read it aloud to the people that he ministered to that uh, they were not to look down on him in any way, uh, that he was the authority. Paul was stating this as being the senior uh, and, and a faithful minister, evangelist of the gospel. Uh, so... Uh, if, if, you, if you don't respect your leadership, if you don't respect those that are in authority, then you can't build anything uh, because you have to have respect for the chain of authority. You have to have the, the uh, hold in dignity those that are in a place of leadership. Uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, it can be difficult because there's all kind of levels of education. And uh, some people have more, some have less. Uh, and I've tried, I've been in churches where there's been mispronunciation. I, and, you know, you know they're mispronouncing. Uh, but they're all trying to glorify the Lord and trying to trying to lift up Jesus. So uh, you try to overlook, you try to overlook human shortcomings. Uh, you know, I've heard uh, tenured evangelists that get on the wrong track and uh, start talking about something and, and they're on the wrong scripture. Uh, maybe, maybe some don't know it, but I know they're on the wrong scripture. <laughs> And what they're talking about, uh, they got on the wrong track. And, 
and, uh, and they're saying things that are out of line. It's not, it's not anything evil. It's just the human mind. Sometimes uh, we fail, and that doesn't matter who we are. Sometimes we fail. We have shortcomings, and uh, we try not to be offensive. We try not to be harsh, uh, but the fact is that all of us sometimes mess up. And uh, I have actually been in the, the uh, process of delivering a sermon and realized, uh, you know, this, this isn't right. I don't have this in the right, I don't have this in the right perspective. And what do you do when you realize that? All you can do is, I remember I was preaching at Kenton and I realized uh, I'd put too many days in a scenario and I just stopped and I said, that's not right. <laughs> I've, I've got that messed up. Uh, you know, most people will understand uh, if we're trying to be honest and trying, trying to say what the facts are uh, that we are not 100% on everything we do, but we do the best we can. And uh, when we're wrong, if, if we've wronged somebody, we need to apologize, don't we? Um, and you know I've come back here. Well, maybe you weren't in the congregation at the time, but I've come back here and said, uh, you know, I said something and that's not exactly right. And I've re-examined re it and this is what I should have said. This is what the facts are. Because I try, I try to be as accurate as I can when I'm sharing things about the gospel, about the scripture, and about things that we deal with. And so uh, Titus, Titus didn't have an easy place to minister. Uh, Paul lays down rules for him to find people, uh, people that were going to be leaders in the church uh, in verse... Uh, in chapter 1 he says to Titus mine own son after the common faith grace mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior <clears throat> for this cause I left thee in Crete that thou should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee and so he, he says this is what the, the guidelines are. Uh, and I'm thinking as, as Titus is ministering here, uh, he's having a challenge to find people that fit this criteria, the, these guidelines. Uh, you know, you can, look, you can look at the various churches and say, well, how did this happen? How did this come about? Uh, people have to listen to the word of God and have to align themselves with the word of God. Uh, I, I think I'm okay in using this illustration <clears throat> that when I was pastoring at Delaware, uh, there was a, a family that I stopped by and invited to church and it was when I was in charge of 
drumming up business. I think Jim Lockhart was driving the, the Sunday school bus and uh, we had an old bus and we kept it going and I would go around on the Saturday before, Friday or Saturday before and, and try to get kids to come. Uh, try to entice them some way to, to get out of bed and be ready to get on the, on the church bus. And uh, so uh, they had an old mimeograph machine. I didn't know anything about mimeograph. I also found they had a, a, a slate, a glass uh, uh, with a light under it. And I don't know what you would call it, but you could put paper on there and you could, you could do designs. You could, and then you could run it through the mimeograph machine, which is a thing of the past. And uh, so I would do little things like that and take these papers around. I mean, it was all freehand. It was, it, it, was, it was pretty sloppy stuff. It wasn't professional looking at all. But I'd take them around, knock on doors, and, you know, uh, we're doing this on the Sunday school bus. Get out of, uh, get to church on Sunday, get to Sunday school on Sunday morning. And uh, so one family I went to uh, was the Newland family. It wasn't any relation to Chris or Patty, uh, but uh, I would stop, and, and so uh, Shelly and Mark were there. They had a little sister that uh, was a baby sister, very young, and uh, so, you know, sometimes there was a fight at the door. That's how popular this preacher was. There was a fight at the door as to who was going to get the paper. Uh, I had them all hepped up over getting this paper, over what we were going to do. Uh, sometimes it might be they would get to reach in a jar that was filled with mainly pennies, but you had some nickels and dimes, and all they could hold, if they won the contest, they could reach in, and all they could hold in their hand, uh, they could keep. So uh, I had the kids come, and they were pretty faithful to come, and, and they would bring their little sister with them, and uh, they would get on that bus that Jim Lockhart was driving. And uh, so uh, the, the, the father and mother rarely came. I can't recall a time when they really came. But, uh, you know, the kids, Shelly especially, uh, the girl, the older girl, was very, very intense and very interested in church. And uh, hearing and and doing what what was taught, and uh, so uh, I became acquainted uh, with her father, uh, their father Don. And uh, Don was Don liked to fish. Uh, Don had a pretty nice bass boat. It had uh, a system on it where you could sit in the in an elevated chair you could go on the alum creek and you could just tilt your foot one way or the other it would steer the boat uh, you could go over in the reeds you could go this way and you didn't have to do it with a, with your hand you did it with your foot kept your hand free so you could cast uh, so you could go over in the reeds and cast and catch that bass <clears throat> 
Well, Don was quite an accomplished fisherman. Uh, and uh, so he told me that I said to him one day, and I don't recall even saying this, Don, Don is now deceased. Uh, he deceased a few months ago. But uh, Don said that I said to him, uh, Don, there's more things to life than just fishing. Uh, I don't recall even saying that. Uh, but I spent a little time with him, and somewhere along the line after I left, Don Newland became a member of the church and active in the church and, uh, uh, and was uh, a, uh, one, of the, one of the leaders in the church at Delaware. Uh, but when, when I started with him, you would have never thought he was ever going to come full circle and come around to where he would want to be on the board and a part of the church advancing the cause of Christ. So I, I would see him from time to time. After I left, he would be at district council. Uh, he, would, he would have an active role in the church. Uh, so uh, you just never know. Uh, you sow the seed where you can sow the seed. Try, try to work with who you have to work with. And try to let them see Jesus in you. That you're concerned and there's more things. There's more things than just the temporal things of this life. If we can use the temporal things of this life to reach into people and help them see that they need Jesus, they need eternal hope, they need to know that their sins are forgiven. So uh, Titus had to work with those that he had, and he had to improvise and do what he could do. Uh, why was Crete a bad, uh, a, a difficult place to work? Well, uh, Paul said uh, that... Uh, in verse 10, there were many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Uh, that there was a mixture of people who held to Jewish belief and uh, they, were, they were unruly. Uh, Paul said, we can't let them just go on uh, and subvert houses, teaching things which they ought not. Paul said they were doing it for money. They were doing it because they were getting money for doing it. But Paul said of these Christians, if you look in chapter 1 again, chapter 12, or verse 12, uh, he says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Christians are always liars. <laughs> That's not very good, is it? The Christians are always liars. <clears throat> They're evil beasts. They have, they have sensual appetites. They're evil beasts. And they are slow bellies. What's a slow belly? Uh, how about lazy? They're lazy. Uh, they're just thinking about laying around and uh, taking it easy, enjoying the good life, uh, one of their own people wrote about them that way. And so Paul left Titus there to establish the work of God 
on the Isle of Crete. Paul says to Titus here, and I read this to you, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Uh, God's salvation, uh, the grace of God that brings salvation, it's God's grace, and we know what grace is, that it is the undeserved goodwill of God toward us. Uh, it is not something that we should say we have it coming, uh, we deserve it, uh, because without him reaching into our lives, there's no way that we can reach up and get it ourselves. He has to bring it to us. So uh, it is God's favor, God's attention, uh, and we have an opportunity then to walk in the way that he has shown us in the word. Um, the grace of God that brings salvation. <clears throat> there are a lot of people that talk about the grace of God uh, that don't have salvation. Um, sometimes we can, we can think, well, uh, God will bring, do something and make us come to saving faith. Uh, we have to cooperate, friends. Uh, God, God has made it available to us it bringeth salvation, and it's there, we can see it, but we have to yearn for it, we have to want it, and we have to cooperate with God in his plan. So it has appeared to all men. <coughs> so it is not something that is selective, and we say all men, all people. So it's available to everybody that desires to receive this salvation. It's, it's by grace, none of us deserve it. Um, I kind of worry when I hear songs that talk about uh, God's grace uh, chasing them down all these different avenues and they're always running from God. Uh, someday, they will get out of God's reach. They will go to a place called hell. It's not because God wanted them to, but it's because they would not give heed and reach out to the Lord. Um, I can think of some of the young people that I used to run around with when I was a kid. Uh, some of them didn't come to a very pleasant end uh, because uh, they were very unconcerned about spiritual things, uh, about following the Lord, and they went their own way. And so as a result, sin uh, ended their life prematurely. Uh, but we have the opportunity. Salvation is brought to us. Uh, salvation has been brought down, is what one song used to say. Uh, and it has appeared to all people. We all have the opportunity of receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, so this appearing, that it has appeared to all men, is what the, where the word epiphany comes from, uh, which is a word that means 
the sunrise, uh, a revelation. Uh, Paul talks about uh, when, well, actually Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. He says that for many days there was no sun that they saw uh, as they were tossed about uh, on the sea for many days in a storm. Uh, they saw no sun. They saw no light of the sun until finally uh, the storm broke and they were, they were taken safely onto an island uh, with the ship being destroyed. But the, the same word is used there, epiphany. They saw no epiphany. Uh, when the light of the gospel shines to us, it is an epiphany. Uh, do you remember uh, Hank Williams? Uh, not Hank Williams Jr., but the old Hank Williams. Uh, Hank Williams died on his way to a concert somewhere. They thought that maybe he had found the Lord because he wrote a song, didn't he? Remember, Carol? You're nodding your head. I, I saw the light. I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in the night. Yeah, so... Uh, isn't it amazing what you don't see when you don't have light? Uh, some of us, as we get older, we need more light, don't we? Uh, we, need, we need extremely bright light uh, to see what we want to see. But when there is no light, uh, you don't see anything. It doesn't matter how good your eyes are. If there is no light... You cannot see. You cannot see your hand in front of your face if there's no light. If there's dim light, you can see things, but you don't see color, do you? Uh, you? You can't tell. You can't discern any color because light brings the color to us. How drab and how dull and how disappointing life is for people that don't have the full light of Christ shining. Uh, they don't have the vivid color. Uh, isn't it wonderful the difference Jesus makes in our life? That we see the beauty of God round about us and we enjoy his fellowship. And others are complaining and, uh, and discontent with everything about them. Uh, but there's little things that we see and we say... This is the blessing of God. This is how God's at work. We can see it. So the salvation has been an epiphany. It has, it has shined like the sun to say Jesus has come. <clears throat> so uh, how about the next verse? Uh, there's a negative and there's a positive. Accentuate the positive, diminuate the negative. <laughs> And watch out for Mr. In-Between. Is that what the song said? <laughs> Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. So there is the negative. That there is a denying of things that we know to be wrong. Uh, and we need to be very determined in denying things that are wrong. Sometimes it has taken us a while when we come through life to realize how important it is to take a firm stand and say no to something, 
some things. That moderation, <clears throat> moderation in sin is not the way to go. Uh, it is to say no to sin and the things that we know are wrong. So <clears throat> there are some things that we need to take a firm stand against. Even if others do not, we still need to do that. Uh, we live in a day when there's acceptance of many things that should not be accepted and we and people try to get along and try to try to adjust and uh, they find out that they get themselves in trouble so we say no to the things that are wrong uh, ungodliness and worldly lust lust is certainly running rampant today in our world of the visual. Uh, things all the time are flashed in front of us and, and it is worldly lust, it is sensual, uh, it's sexual, uh, but Paul says we need to say no to those things and we need to live soberly, righteously, so there's some things we need to say yes to. And sober there does not mean not being drunk, but it means to be self-controlled. Uh, we need to follow righteousness. Uh, we need to not be stuffy, but we need to have a godly life where we show that we're following God and the ways of God. <clears throat> and this next phrase is very important because you can say, well, that was okay in Paul's day, but we live in a different day. You can't, you just can't do what they did then because there's all these electronics. There's all these things that tempt us to pull us away. There's no way that we can follow God like they did. How about Abraham? He didn't go out looking for a country and use his GPS to find out where he was going. Uh, we have all these things that pull us away and distract us from following God. Uh, you know, when I was traveling in Israel, uh, there would be the nomads out in the, in the desert. Uh, it, it would look like a slum. So you would come by places when we were going from Jordan or from Jericho up to Jerusalem, which is a pretty steep climb going up for several miles from the lowest place on the earth up to Jerusalem. And uh, you would see these places along the way, uh, these old throw together tents. It wasn't something that they got from Cabela's that looked really nice, you know, a good outdoor tent. And it, it, was, it was some kind of a piece of canvas thrown, thrown over some poles. And then it had maybe an added room uh, what we would call a lean-to, where they, uh, maybe it was a bedroom, I don't know, but uh, they were nomads, they were living out there, they had their animals, uh, and you'd think, oh, these people are really, really out of touch. Then you'd see the flash of a television, because they had a generator out there, and they were picking up signals, and they were watching, they were watching some things on television, maybe the internet, I don't know but probably so. So uh, we can say there's no way 
that we could live like Paul is saying uh, in, the, in this present time. But Paul does say that we're supposed to live this way in this present world. That's right now. We can be victorious. We can follow Christ. The, the pattern is still the same, folks. And that is seek the Lord while he may be found. Read the word of God. Do what's right. Turn away from what you know is wrong. Things that will tear you down. And it doesn't matter who's encouraging you to go that direction. We can live for God and we must make a choice for him. And if we don't follow him, we can't blame other people. We have to blame ourselves for the choices that we make. So, grace says to say no to some things, yes to some things. And, uh, and I, like, I like what it says here. Looking for that blessed hope. It's the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So does that mean that when Jesus comes again in the rapture, that somehow God and Jesus are coming together? Well, remember Jesus is God. And remember that the Holy Spirit is God. So when it talks about God our Savior, Jesus Christ, it's talking about Jesus as our Savior who is also God. And he is coming. Um, it is the glorious appearing uh, it is of, our, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're looking for something. We're looking, we're looking for what Jesus has promised. And look how long it took Jesus to be born with all the prophecies given, all the wars fought. We went 2,000 years and he hasn't come. But look how long it was before he was born it was prophesied. Many thousands of years they looked for a savior. They looked for a Messiah. And finally Jesus was born. Verse 14 is a great verse. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. So Jesus gave himself fully for us. And it was to free us from sin. He paid the price. Uh, slavery is a terrible thing. And when slaves were brought over to America from Africa, of course, slavery has existed for ages. <clears throat> and it's not just one people, white people, enslaving black people. Black people have enslaved black people. Uh, there's been slavery on many fronts. Uh, but when somebody is a slave uh, and the price is paid, price is paid for that slave that's up on the block, that's being auctioned off. The person that bought that slave can then say to that slave, I bought you and you are now free. You're not, you're not in slavery anymore. I, I bought you, I paid the price. Now it didn't happen often, but it did happen that people were set free. Sometimes they were set free to do what their owner wanted them to do, but they experienced a great deal of freedom, like Joseph. 
had great potential and possibilities. And when Potiphar saw it, he set him up to be over all his house. And he didn't, he didn't know any of his own business except Joseph did it. So Joseph had a great deal of freedom, even though he was still that man's possession. But some could be set free entirely. Uh, I understand when liberty came to, from the Emancipation Proclamation that was a result of Abraham Lincoln and his wanting to set the black people free, that many of them, when they were set free, didn't know what to do. Uh, it's all we know, picking cotton. Where are we going to live? They had, they had no idea of how to exist, how to get along, how to make their way. How, how, I mean, today there are black people that are entrepreneurs, that are doing great things, uh, and, and praise be to God for the opportunities given them. Uh, many times... Uh, they're black athletes that have become millionaires because of their talents. But at first, it wasn't like that because they felt uh, that all they knew was slavery. But a kind master would see to it that they were taken care of, uh, that they could stay and work for him and be under his control. You know, when Jesus redeems us from sin, when he buys us back from sin, uh, we are in a dangerous position because we don't have the power in ourselves to direct our paths and to know the way to take. But our kind Jesus has provided that for us. He wants us to come and give ourselves back to him. No, no, we're not going to be like we were before, slave to sin and beaten and mistreated and brought onto the wrong road where it would destroy us. But he wants us to be his by love, to say, I want to stay with you and I want to serve you. And I know that you're going to do the best for me and give me the opportunities that I cannot even get for myself. And so when he frees us from all iniquity, he wants to purify unto himself a peculiar people. That's been mistreated word there because some people have said, yeah, Christians are real oddballs. Uh, they're peculiar. That word used to be used that way. That if you, were, if you were odd or different, you were peculiar. But that's not what this word means here. It means a, a treasure, a treasured possession. Uh, that one thing that sets itself out from all the rest that is most valued and most, most treasured so, in God's sight, we are a peculiar people. But he wants, he wants us to come out of sin, and he wants to take the sin out of us. Because we went astray, because we have 
Inbred sin is what it's called. It is what Adam did when he rebelled. God wants us to give ourselves over to him and let him be our boss. There, there is a technique to living for Jesus. And that is, as you're living for Jesus, you may stumble, you may fall. You know how it is for a young child when they're learning to walk. Uh, they have to hold on to things, don't they? And they walk around the table. Uh, and I remember the proud time when I wasn't called on a cell phone because we didn't have them. But uh, when my wife said, uh, Kelly took her first step. Uh, that was without holding on to anything. And yeah, it was tottery, and, and you didn't know if they were going to make it. Usually, it went like, go from mommy to daddy and see if they could make it. And uh, just to be a few steps on wobbly legs. But if they fell down, they got up, didn't they? And they went on. You know, when we're learning to walk with Jesus... There's times when we fall down and we have to get up. We can't just lay there. If we're going to walk, we have to get up and we have to keep on trying. And so maybe there's habits of sin that have fastened on your life. And, and you, have to, you have to swallow some words sometimes. Sometimes you have to say, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me, I shouldn't have said that. And then you try again. Um, I think I told you about when I was hunting at Delaware, around Delaware Reservoir, in the wildlife area. I was walking back with some guys. <clears throat> I didn't know them. They had just parked their car. I think we were going back in. Maybe we were coming out, I don't remember. We were headed back in. Or coming out and we were just talking you know they're, they're just guys and uh, one guy was using a lot of coarse language and uh, things that you know to I mean you wouldn't talk that way in church it wasn't church language <laughs> and uh, so uh, as we're going back probably shotguns over our shoulder uh, I said, uh, you don't even know you're doing that, do you? He said, what are you talking about? I said, all that foul language you're using, you don't even know you're doing it. I said, it's just a habit with you. That's just the way you talk. Do you know if you grew up around it and you're around that all the time, it just becomes your vocabulary. And it takes, it takes the Spirit of God working in your life to say now, yes, this is probably something that would be better off purged from my vocabulary. And it may take a while. You know, thinking about it, you may stumble and you may fall. <coughs> and there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do better because it'll make you stronger the next time. Those guys didn't get mad at me the way I said it to them. Uh, they were okay. I don't know that I ever met them again. But I left a witness with them that there was better ways to talk than the way they were talking. So, yeah, 
God wants to purify our heart. And he talks about that in Ephesians, that God wants to present us to himself uh, a pure church without spot or wrinkle. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. Uh, we're told that when the Holy Spirit came in his fullness, because we talk about being saved, we talk about receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we call it being sanctified, holy. And that's Acts 15, verses 8 and 9, where the Lord purified their heart by faith. And then he wants, he wants to work in our lives that way, and he wants us to be energetic to do good things. Zealous means to be energetic. And praise God for people that are energetic to work on things at the church, to help out, to take on jobs that need to be done, and they want to do them, they know how to do them. Praise God for their contribution. Uh, that's how the church keeps going, really, when people love the church and they're willing to put themselves in a place where they can be a benefit and they can be helpful. Uh, so Paul says, these things speak and exhort, talk about them, teach them, insist on them, and rebuke. Now there's the hard part, rebuke with all authority. Rebuke. Sometimes rebuke is in line. And if we're God's people, then we say, well, uh, this is something I need to cha change. This is something I need to shape up. And you don't go down to the church a couple miles down the road say, I ain't going to let the preacher talk to me that way. Uh, you say, yes, I'm going to line up. If I've been running my mouth too much, I'm going to put a zipper on it. If I've been, if I've been backstabbing, if I've got a bad attitude, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to change by the grace of God. I'm going to be a better person by the grace of God. So... Rebuke with all authority. We do have authority in the name of Jesus. Now, it's not, it's not talking about member to member. It's talking about leadership and trying to keep people on the right track of serving the Lord. So the grace of God, how, how blessed we are, folks, that we have the grace of God that brings salvation. We would not get to heaven if it were not the grace of God. That brings salvation. Salvation, what is salvation? It's being saved from your sin. It is being purified. That's part of salvation. It is going to heaven. That's going to be the final act of your salvation. Is going to heaven and saying goodbye, old world, goodbye, because I'm getting a new glorified body. And the effects of sin are no longer going to be felt on me because I'm going to have a glorified body. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. So if you're not a Christian this morning, you can be by asking Jesus to forgive your sins. Won't make you a member of the church. And church membership is good. But that doesn't make you a member of the church. It makes you a member of the family of God. You become part of the family. And then from there, you have plenty of room to grow. 
to go on and do exploits for God, to do great things for God. Will you stand with me this morning?